Hi, and welcome to the fourth in this series that I've called Foundations of What We Believe about the New Covenant and our relationship with God. The first week we talked about God is who he is, and man is being made in his image. Uh, our theology and our anthropology, what we believe about God and what we believe about man. The second week we talked about the nature and the character of God and how he is infinite and he's trustworthy, he never changes how the things that um, we know about him are limited at this point, but we're growing in understanding and how important it is to really get to know God. In the third week, we talked about sin, what it is and, and the effect of it, how it came to be that we were deceived and chose to not trust God, but to reinterpret his word. And that led us as mankind, starting with Adam and Eve, into the condition of being sinful beings. Now, the fourth week that we're on today, we're going to talk about man a little bit more. You know, the second week we talked about God a little more. We're going to talk about man a little bit more today. Uh, first off, man is a dependent being. Uh, we were not created to be independent of our Creator. Uh, not just in theory, not just in um, acts of worship and those kind of things, but our very existence is dependent upon him. He actually created us. He holds us together. Um, we were never created to eventually grow up and not need God. We were created to be dependent upon him for all eternity, uh, as is all things in creation. Now, the primary effect of sin while this really important to understand we're dependent being, the primary effect of sin is it separated us from God, who is life. He doesn't have life. He doesn't just give life. It's not a commodity that he has uh, stuck somewhere and he gives it to us, you know, in metered amounts and so forth. God himself actually is life. And so being separated from God, man became separated from life. And what does it mean to be separated from life? Well, it means you're dead. Okay. In Genesis 2, uh, 16 and 17, it says, the Lord commanded man saying, from any tree in the garden, you may eat freely, but from the tree in the, of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Okay. So we, if you look back and look at the story in Genesis chapter two and three, uh, Adam and Eve eventually ate from the tree. They were deceived by the serpent and rebelled against God. They didn't trust him anymore. They decided to trust the serpent instead and not believe what God said, and it led them into a world of hurt as well as the rest of humanity. Okay, so um, that act separated man from God. Now, if you notice in the story, they didn't fall down and stop breathing. Their body didn't go back to dust. Uh, they went on and lived, Adam lived over 900 years. They had children, you know, Cain and Abel and Seth and so on. Uh, they had many children probably. Okay, so what does it mean to die? Well, it doesn't mean to stop breathing. It doesn't mean stop functioning physically. It means to be separated from life, and God is life. So the primary effect of sin is it separated us from God, who is life. John 5, 26 says, For just as the Father has life in himself, 
even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. God is life. He is the very essence of life. So if you have God, you have life. If you don't have God, you don't have life. All right? So if you're connected to him. The secondary effects of sin, and there's probably quite a few, is one is man became dependent upon self. I'll just do it my way, think my own way, come up with my own conclusions. In 2 Corinthians 1.9, it says, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You know, Paul was talking about going through a really hard time, and he had the sentence of death within himself. He was despairing of life. He was burdened excessively beyond his strength, it says. But then he finishes by saying, this happened in order that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Again, being dependent beings, created to be dependent upon God, we were never destined to one day get over our need for God where we could depend on self. That'd be like saying this body one day will grow up and get over its need for oxygen, and we will become no longer oxygen dependent. We won't have to breathe anymore. That's ridiculous. Well, the idea that we could ever be self-sufficient apart from God is actually ridiculous. It's, it's an impossibility. Uh, just, but it, it seems hard to grasp because we're still walking around and doing stuff, so it feels like, well, I must be alive. I'm, I speak, and I, I breathe, and I, I do things, you know. I have children and, and uh, all this stuff, right? Well, that's not the definition of life. God is life and life is being connected to him. So if we become dependent on self, like I said, in 2 Corinthians 1.9, it says, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. All right? So what happens if we're dependent upon self is we begin to form our own truths, our own conclusions about what's true and what we should believe and cling to. Uh, that's a bad idea. It doesn't mean that we won't eventually as children of God, develop and cling to beliefs that are true, but we are not the source of that truth. God is truth. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In 1 Corinthians 1.20, it says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And you know, we look around and think we're so wise in this world, uh, especially when we're young, as we get older, we realize maybe we didn't know so much as we thought when we were young. But the deal is, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Just like the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. It does, it's, it's based, they're based on completely different systems of thought. One puts us at the center of the universe. That's the wisdom of man. And everything's about what makes me feel good. That's why they ate from the tree in the Garden of Eden. It's desirable. It'll make you wise. It's good for food. It'll be good for me. I will take it. It made me the center of the universe. When in reality, God is the center. And learning to know him and about him and trusting him and believing him and acting uh, obedient to what we know uh, out of faith is why we exist. Because that helps us achieve or experience our created purpose, which is living like God lives, being in his image. Another thought about 
the secondary effects of sin is uh, Jesus referred one time in Matthew 15, 14, he said, let them alone. They are blind guides, um, blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. It's the blind leading the blind. And what happens is we look around and the ones who seem to have eloquent speech and they say warm, fuzzy things or things that seem to be true, you know, uh, in the wisdom of the world, yeah, that's that's the way it works. Um, then what happens is people begin to follow these sage leaders of the world's wisdom. And they're all over the place. And some of them are nice guys on the outside and nice ladies on the outside and they help their fellow man and they you know they they do humanitarian things and all that stuff. But that is not why we were created. We were created to bear the very image of God and live like he lives through truth and justice and mercy and kindness and compassion and wisdom and all of that stuff that really is God's way of living the life that he has. That's why he wanted to give life to us so we could live the life that he has. Another effect of sin is what we would call idol worship, trying to get our needs met apart from God. Idols are typically something we worship that seems like if I really devote myself to this, my needs will be met. Now, obviously in old times, and there are still places in the world today, you'll see idols, actual physical statues, you know, figurines that people bow down in front of and offer things to. But, you know, as we get more um, uh, enlightened in the world, uh, what happens is we begin to trade those statues in for things like money. Okay, it's interesting that money is made from a plate that's engraved. It's a graven image. Eh, that's just a little side note there. But we, we worship money. Why? Because money, the love of money, says the root of all evil. Why? Because we think money will buy us all the things that will make us happy, life easy, and give us meaning and significance and all that stuff. Well, I've talked to many people who have lots of money. And they came to see me as a counselor because their life was not happy. They were not glad about the life they were living. Uh, because, But that idol that they worshipped wasn't really delivering. You know, in uh, Psalm 115, it says, you know, idols have all the features of a being that can do stuff, but they actually can't do anything. Okay. And those who worship them and make them become like them. Uh, in Colossians 3, verse 4 and 5, it says, When Christ, who is our life, that's very important, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your body, earthly body, as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Those things... Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, those are idols, things that we feel like, you know, this, this sexual experience, uh, this thing that's off color, this thing that's not pure, it's not like the very nature and the character of God. You know, you hear things like, I know it's wrong, but, and then they tell you why it's right they're going to do that. This passion, this thing that, they, that we give our life to passionately, which really is empty, there's nothing there. What does it say? Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, we have passions about 
winning sporting events, amassing the biggest fortune, um, living peacefully in a little cabin in the woods with our family, and let everybody else leave us alone. We have these passions, but those that's not life. Okay, some of those things are not evil in and of themselves. It's not wrong to have money, but it is wrong to worship it because money can't actually meet any of your needs, the true needs that we possess as creations by God. All of those things are just idolatry, okay? So, okay, the secondary effects, there's probably a lot more of them, but we trust ourselves, we're blind leading the blind, uh, we're forming our own conclusions about life, we're worshiping things that really have no power to fulfill us, to fill up that empty void. You know, uh, was it Pascal that said, there's a God-shaped vacuum inside every man that only God can fill, and that's very true. We can try to fill the void in our heart that only God can fill with all these other things, and it will always leave us wanting more, dissatisfied, actually less satisfied than before we put them in there, wanting more and more and more. It's like an addiction. Okay, so I said this earlier. Let me say it again. Life is not just breathing. Life is not just breathing. Life is connection to God. Well, what does that mean? Okay. First um, John 5, 11 and 12 says, this is the test. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. That's powerful. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. All right, so then in order to fulfill our purpose, we must be connected to God. If we were created by God for life, which is a connection to God, then we can never fulfill our purpose, which is being like him, if we're ever apart from him. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. One day I read that and I thought, do nothing. Well, that doesn't make much sense. I know a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus at all. They don't have him living inside of them. And they do all kinds of stuff. They build houses and they go fishing and they, they run for political office and they're, they're running great countries and, and whatever else. What do you mean you can do nothing? In reality, you can't do anything you were actually created to do apart from him. And what, are we, what were we created to do? We were created to bear the image of God. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. That's the reason you were created. That's the purpose that you and I exist Everything else, like I said a couple weeks ago, we're just a knickknack on a shelf somewhere. The, we've been repurposed by the world to fulfill a destiny other than what God had in mind. All right, so we must be connected to God in order to fulfill our God-determined purpose. And that purpose is being like him. The flashlight, I remember mentioned that a couple weeks ago. Well, think about this. Jesus said, I am the world. And then later he looked at his disciples and he said, you are the light of the world. 
well, if Jesus is the light of the world, how can they be the light of the world? Because he was going to live inside of them. He said, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Christ lives on the inside of believers. He moves in. He, he marries himself to them. That's why it says the mystery of marriage, which is where the two become one, is a mystery that actually refers to Christ and his church, where he bonds himself to us. Just like you take a flashlight without a battery, it's basically a paperweight. You know, if it's a nice heavy one, you might be able to use it as a, a club or something. You know, I don't know. But the, the purpose of a flashlight is to shine, to cast light into dark places. And it can't do that without the batteries on the inside. Okay. John 1, 4 says, In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The very ability that we have to let the light of Christ shine out of us comes only from being connected to God as he lives in us. That is the purpose for which you were created and the reason for which Jesus died so that he could remove sin and the effects of sin, that separation between God and man, make the temple clean so he could move in and live permanently, not based on our ability to avoid sin, but based on the blood that he shed that paid for the sins of mankind from the beginning of Adam to the last guy. He paid for the sins of the whole world, it says. And when you receive Christ, you receive him in all of his righteousness and holiness, and he now lives on the inside, reconnected to God so that his life can be lived not only in you, but through you. This is such an exciting truth. It has revolutionized the way I relate to God and the world around me. And I'm still undergoing that revolutionary experience, learning more about who I am by learning about who he is and how I can trust him and let his life live in me and through me. And he can do the same thing for you. Well, God bless you. I pray this has been an encouragement to you. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that when you started the whole thing, you didn't neglect anything that was going to come in the future. You made provision for all of it. You knew that your son would have to die before you ever started. And yet you started anyway. You sent him to deal with our sin problem, to give us that privilege and honor and, and uh, acceptable ability to receive you into our life so that your power will live in us. Father, help us to realize what that power is so that we can let it shine out of us. Father, thank you that it's not based on our righteousness, but yours. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.